pretty big week for Americans abroad, as well as for another U.S. youth national team meeting Mexico. And last but certainly not least, the weekend brings us Dax McCarty's return to Red Bull Arena. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarcep, and it is Friday, April 28th. And yes, folks, week nine of the MLS season is here. Dax McCarty's return to Red Bull Arena, the big storyline. Uh, just making it's what everyone's been waiting for. Okay, not everyone, but mainly New York Red Bulls fans and fans of Dax McCarty, who were shocked to see the trade go down. We'll get into that. Obviously, there's so much to talk about this show, this episode. We had Dax McCarty on obviously last episode. If you didn't listen to that one, make sure you go back and listen to it. Uh, we had him for quite a while on the last episode, talking about what it's going to be like for him to go back to Red Bull Arena, and and there's just so much drama. There's so much emotion. Uh, for the former Red Bulls captain, uh, but it, it it was a big week. Even though we just had the show on Wednesday, uh, the, a lot has gone down. Actually, I'm sorry, Tuesday, a lot has gone down in just a handful of days since the last show to this show, which is why we kind of need two episodes a week. If I can manage it, if I can pull it off, I, I continue to try to pull it off, and hopefully we can make it happen. We're doing it this week. We have to get into Americans Abroad, starting off with Omar Gonzalez. The man just wins. The man just wins medals trophies he is a champion and he added to his collection by helping pachuca defeat tigres in the Concacaf champions league final uh and yes pachuca is heading to the club world cup omar gonzalez adds the Concacaf champions league winners medal to his liga mekis title that he won last last year and all the mls cup titles he won with the la galaxy the ncaa championship he won with maryland the Gold Cup title he won with the U.S. national team. Uh, I believe he won. I'm pretty sure he won some titles on the youth soccer level as well. Uh, the guy just knows how to win. And uh, Mike McGee put it put it best uh, on Twitter uh, the other day when he said, you know, if you want to win, then sign Omar Gonzalez. And that, that, that's pretty much the way to look at it. I mean, you have to give him credit. Uh, at the time when he made the move down to Mexico from the LA Galaxy, you know, there were some questions. Uh, is it the right move? Is it a good move? And it's been nothing short of excellent for him. He stepped in there right away, became a starter. He's clearly improving. Anyone who watches him play, and you've, if you watch him play for Pachuca, you see a player who's definitely gained in confidence. He's gained in quality and experience, and, and he is a better player now than he was when he left MLS. And um, and that's a credit to him. That's a credit to Liga Mekis, which is a very tough league, and a credit to Pachuca for you know, putting him in that environment where he is doing as well as he is. And now he will, knock on wood, be heading to the Club World Cup at the end of the year. Uh, a big accomplishment for him. And no, he's not the first American to make that trip. It's still great to see a U.S. national team player involved in that type of environment, that type of setting. And the timing couldn't be couldn't be much better for him when you think about it uh, in terms of just the, the run of form that he's on, obviously with his national team aspirations. Look, the U.S. national team is a month away from playing in uh, in some big World Cup qualifiers, and he is really positioning himself uh, to be considered as a p- potential starter in those matches and potentially against the Mexico in Azteca. Um, now with John Brooks injured and not looking like he, it looks like he might not be available. Uh, if you're Bruce Arena, you obviously know Mark Gonzalez very well. When you see the kind of form that he's on, uh, form that he's in, how could you not seriously think about having him be a starter for you? against Trinidad and Tobago and against Mexico, definitely against Mexico, um, you know, just as impo- as big as that match is in Azteca. Um, Omar Gonzalez has played in that match before. He uh, he started 
against Mexico in Azteca when the U.S. tied them 0-0 in 2013, the last time these two teams met in in a uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying down at Azteca. So looks good for Omar Gonzalez, and uh, obviously congratulations to him adding another winner's medal to his collection. And I tweeted that he should. it's time for him to pose now for a picture like Michael Phelps with all the medals around his neck. And uh, he, he actually did like that tweet uh, this morning. So hopefully he's planning that. Hopefully that's coming and uh, we can get a picture of that. Because look, it's great to see. You know, if you're an American soccer fan, you have to appreciate when an American is doing that, um, winning titles. And not just winning titles in America, but winning, showing he can win titles outside of America. So great to see there. We have at least one more American who's going to win uh, a uh grab a winner's medal in an international tournament and that's in Germany where the DFB Pokal final the German Cup final has been set and it will be Christian Pulisic's Borussia Dortmund taking on Timothy Chandler's Eintracht Frankfurt and uh, you know Dortmund and Pulisic knocking off Bayern Munich in, in what was a pretty exciting game Bayern Munich missed all sorts of chances Caught, they, they should have run away with this game they really should have blown away Dortmund but credit to Dortmund they stayed in it, and Bayern kept missing their chances. And then in the second half, Dortmund took over, scored three unanswered, and 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 really took control of that game. And now they're in the final again, and they're taking on Eintracht Frankfurt and Timmy Chandler. Obviously, T- Chandler's in a really good run of form himself. And one way, or no- one way or another, a U.S. national team player will be winning a winner's medal at the end of May. And, uh, it's a kind of, not, not, not to say it's a bad news thing. Cause you know, it, it's only good news. The fact that these two are getting to the final and Chandler, who has been starting regularly for Eintracht, you would expect that he's going to start in the final. Pulisic uh, lately has been coming off the bench more. He's actually been alternating between, uh, comp- the comp competitions and in the league. He started in the league against Mönchengladbach last weekend, did very well. So, you can't rule out the possibility that he starts in the in the Polkow, DFB Polkow final, but it'd be something else if you have Pul- Christian Pulisic going up against Timmy Chandler in a final. Um, it'll mean that they arrive a little late to U.S. national team camp at the end of May, but I'm pretty sure Bruce Green is not going to mind that if it means having a chance to have two of his guys competing in a big final. That's pretty huge. Next up, another big uh, positive for Americans abroad, DeAndre Yedlin and Newcastle United game promotion to the English Premier League uh, this week. And it's not like it's a huge surprise, but it's still a big, big step. And you have to say, Yedlin, DeAndre Yedlin has to be feeling pretty good about the move that he made to Newcastle. Uh, for those who don't remember, last summer, he had options. He had some options to, to sign with teams at the lower end of the Premier League. He had this opportunity with Newcastle in the league championship. And there were definitely some questions about, is that the right move for him? Jurgen Klinsmann definitely didn't like the move for him. And really, from my understanding, Klinsmann really tried to push Yedlin to not sign there. He, you know, he for for as far as Klinsmann is concerned, he wanted him in the Premier League, or if not that, the Bundesliga. He wanted him in a first division. Clearly, we've seen through through in in through the years that Klinsmann is not a big fan of the English League Championship. He doesn't have much respect for it as a league. But you know what? Yedlin made the most of this move. He he developed into a regular starter for Rafa Benitez on a really big squad, mind you, uh, with plenty of competition for playing time. And Yedlin's been injured lately, so he hadn't been in a starting lineup much. He he was in the lineup today, actually. He started for Newcastle against Cardiff on Friday. Uh, That game's actually going on as we record the show. But a big, big step for Yedlin. He's heading to the Premier League. And now he's going to head there with that much more experience under his belt. Another year of seasoning, another year of playing 
you know, first team soccer. And it's, uh, I think he's, it's going to be great to see what he can do now. I thought he held his own when he played for Sunderland in the premier league a year ago. So I don't think he's going to at all be, you know, overwhelmed or, or, or not ready. I think he's ready. I think he's ready to go back to, to the premier league and show that he belongs there. And it's going to be a big summer for him too. Cause you have to remember it's been a bit now since he was a starter for the U S national team. Um, and now he, you know, chances are he's, uh, if you're Bruce Arena and you're looking at your options, uh, you know, Jeff Cameron obviously has played at right back at times, but you'd rather have Jeff Cameron at center back. And if Yedlin is, is, you know, healthy, ready to go, he's going to be a right back. Uh, so it's a big summer for Yedlin to just, to show Bruce Arena that he is the guy and that he is his, he should be his first choice at right back. He kind of fell out of favor with your Klinsman, uh, you know, pretty much af right after he signed with Newcastle. It seemed like he went into Klinsman's doghouse, and uh, now he has the opportunity to to really show Bruce Arena what he can do. Uh, next up, hope, hoping to join Yedlin in the Premier League is Tim Ream. Tim Ream and Fulham are in the are obviously in there in the thick of the of the fight for promotion uh, to the to the Premier League. Fulham is trying to grab one of the f- top four spots uh, remaining for the playoff. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with how the league championship works, basically the top two teams in the league championship automatically are promoted to the English Premier League the next season. Then a third team is is determined by the next four teams playing in a in a semifinal and final. So basically teams three through six uh play in a semifinal and then they play down to a promotion playoff final. And Fulham's trying to be one of those teams. They're trying to be in that conversation. They still have, I believe, four games left to play. Uh but Fulham is is right in the thick of that uh right in the thick of that race. And, you know, we'll see if Tim Ream can, can play himself back into the Premier League. Remember when he first went over to England, he was there uh, with Bolton in the Premier League, but only lasted half a season before they were, before they were relegated. Um, he's become a regular starter now for Fulham playing in central defense. And again, he's another option for Bruce Arena as a potential starter and fill in for John Brooks. You know, you can go with Omar Gonzalez and Jeff Cameron, though neither one of them is left footed or you can have Tim Ream, who is left-footed, just slide right in naturally. And we have seen him do that. We've seen Tim Ream start. We obviously saw him against Panama in the last World Cup qualifier. It was a bit of an up-and-down performance for him. Um, people will remember his play, his misplay on the goal for Panama. But he also did some good things as well. What was interesting is that Tim Ream isn't the only American who's trying to grab that last ticket to the Premier League. You actually have two others uh, of the of right now of the four teams sitting of the four teams sitting in the places for the playoffs. Three of them have either an American player or an American coach. Uh, Huddersfield Town, obviously coached by David Wagner, the German American coach. He uh, he has them in third place right now. They're they're comfortably in position. Uh, it's a safe bet that they will be in the promotion playoff. So right now you could have. An, an American manager in the Premier League again, if Huddersfield can get the job done. You also have Danny Williams, who's at Reading, and Reading is currently in fourth place. So right now, of the four teams that are vying for that one spot, you have Huddersfield, Reading, Sheffield Wednesday, and Fulham. So pretty good odds right there that you're going to see an American uh, break in. Right now, it looks like that's going to be the four. Uh, I mean, not to take anything away from Leeds, because Leeds still, in theory, with two games to go, they're three games back. Uh, they've been in a bit of a slump. So can they catch Tim Ream and Fulham this weekend is going to tell because it's going to be a big game uh, for, for Fulham to to grab that spot because if they beat Brett Brentford 
then they would pretty much solidify their place and set the table for the final four uh, place for, for those four teams playing in the promotion playoffs. So uh, that that's going to be a big one there, but you know what, who do you root for? If you're an American, uh, you know, if you're an American fan, uh, would you rather have Danny Williams in the premier league, Tim Ream in the premier league or David Wagner in American in the premier league an American coach. I know, look, German American uh, people aren't that familiar. Most U S fans, most American fans, not fully familiar with David Wagner and his story. Obviously, he came up with Jurgen Klopp. He's apparently Jurgen Klopp's best friend, uh, but also a, a damn good manager in his own right. And he's obviously done extremely well with Huddersfield uh, and has them on the verge of promotion to the Premier League. So that's going to be a great race to watch down the stretch. Only two rounds remaining in the in the uh, league championship. So after that two rounds, then we'll get down to the nitty-gritty, the semifinals and the finals. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But still, overall, big, big positive week for Americans abroad. Now, it's not all positive. There were reports that Aaron Johansson is set to leave Werder Bremen. Obviously, injuries have really kind of ruined that move for him, uh, which kind of, if I, if I remember correctly, started off in a kind of promising fashion. But, you know, obviously, when he when he missed so much time with the injury, it kind of he fell out of favor there. And then when once he came back, he just couldn't break through there. And now he's leaving. And it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next. And I know... There are quite a few fans in MLS who would love to see him in MLS, and and I think he would do great in MLS. Uh, you know, it, just because he hasn't been playing lately, and he's had this this these couple of years now of of, of not not playing and being hurt. I mean, let's not forget now that he he crushed it in in the Dutch league uh, before the World Cup in 2014, and he can play. And I think if he comes to MLS and he's healthy and he's ready to go, the guy can score goals in MLS without a doubt. The question is, does he want to make that move, or does he want to stay in Europe? I'm sure he's going to have options in Europe, so it's not as if uh, he has to come uh, to MLS and 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 try to re- rebuild his career. But it's an option, and I think it's an option he should he should consider. Uh, I, I think uh, Real Salt Lake has been mentioned in the past as a possible suitor for him. I'm not sure where that stands now, but you know, there's definitely teams that could use him, no question. Colorado Rapids, hello, they they could use all the help they can get in their attack. Um, Orlando City, another possibility. Okay, maybe not Orlando City. I mean, they have the resources, but th- there's been no link. It just off the top of my head, thinking about you know mo- other options. They're obviously using Kyle Aaron up top by himself. Him, Carlos Rivas have played well as well. But um, DC United could use uh, a forward like Aaron Johansson. Do they have the money to spend? That's the big question with DC. But the point is, there's a lot of places where he would help in MLS. The question is, does he want to come here? So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Moving on to U.S. national team and youth national team news. We obviously have to talk about the U.S. under-17s beating Mexico 4-3. Big win for the U.S. Uh, I believe it's the first time they've ever beaten the Mexican under-17s and to do it in the CONCACAF tournament. Uh, that's huge for huge for the U.S. And, and coming, off, uh, coming off the heels of the U.S. under-20s beating Mexico in CONCACAF qualifying, that's two big wins in qualifying against Mexico and Mexico obviously they've they kind of been the, they have been the standard bearer for player development in the region and they've pretty much have dominated the youth national team ranks in CONCACAF for as long as anyone can remember and now you have a couple of statement victories and you know what for me I, I'd say it's great it's great I'm definitely not trying to downplay uh the fact that it's definitely a positive result um, I, I'm not ready to go as overboard as some people went about the about the result itself and like the broader 
implications that I feel like some people were kind of waiting with, with, with bullets in the chamber to kind of get on these hot takes about all that it means. It is a positive step, positive sign. Uh, and this, this group is a talented group and, and it's tough to, oh, it, it, you always have to be a little wary, right? Because uh, just because like right now you have to say this U17 group is very, very talented. And I've talked to, I have talked about them in recent shows. I have tried to tell you guys, look, there's, some, there's serious talent on this team. Does that mean that it's we're on a we're at a point now where we're going to consistently see that level of talent and those type of of, of players on American national te- uh, youth national teams and and you can never assume that because it, it's not a you know it, and this goes for any national team even uh, even uh, you know the big countries that you everyone talks about to still have their ups and downs when it comes to youth national teams and and the strength of particular generations right now. This, when you talk about the U twenty talent pool, the U seventeen talent pool, there is a ton of talent in these talent pools, and that's a you 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 definitely have to give credit to player development in the U S. The MLS Academy improvement that we've seen across the board, it hasn't quite made a huge impact on the field in MLS yet. It is starting to make an impact in terms of that, but we are seeing on at least on the youth national team side the impact of improved investment improved infrastructure improved coaching in the youth national in the youth ranks in the in the player development youth development ranks in the US and the, you're starting to see the the, it, the fruit is the, the bearing the fruit of all that work we're starting to see that now with these kind of results of course the US 7 the under 17s are not done yet they still have to actually qualify for the world cup they won the group with mexico now they move on to a, a, a an, an elimination group to actually secure a place in the World Cup. That's another reason why I was kind of like I didn't, you know, you didn't see me even really tweet a ton about it or write about it, is because let them actually finish the job first, because you don't want to get too crazy, uh, and, and then they they turn around and they get eliminated. I don't think they will. I think they're going to take care of business because they're a stacked team. Uh, John Hackworth has done a good job with this group, but. You know, it, it, it's a it's a fun group to watch. No question. When you think when you talk about Josh Josh Sargent, I know you've heard about him. If you listen, you've listened to the show, well, he's he's living up to the billing, right? He's living up to to what. Now you understand. If you've watched this team play, now you understand why there's so much hype surrounding uh, Josh Sargent and um, St. Louis native is the real. He looks like the real deal. And right now, he's not signed to our contract. And I mean, as well as he's playing, I'm sure the scouts are starting to line up. They probably already were lining up, but now they're even more interested in trying to sign him up. I really don't see him signing an MLS with Sporting Kansas City, who who has his rights via territorial homegrown claim, uh, which I wrote about all, uh, you know a few months back. But wherever he winds up, I mean, he's one to watch, no doubt about it. And you know, you want to talk about prospects for 2026? You see, he could absolutely be one. Uh, that's something to keep keep an eye out for there. But they're they're a fun team to watch. Uh, if you can watch them, they still have, as I said, they, they're getting ready for that next elimination round in the CONCACAF qualifiers for the World Cup. And, you know, knock on wood, nothing crazy happens and they get to the World Cup because they, I think they're a team that could definitely make some things happen in India where the under-17 World Cup is taking place later this year. Moving on now, we have to definitely get into the Copa America, uh, which just took place this past summer, the Copa America Centenario uh, the next Copa America is around the corner. It, it it won't be four years away. It's actually only now. It's actually only two years away from now. Uh, the next one will be in 2019. And that one is uh, set to feature 16 teams. 
as Copa America is going to expand their field, uh, the, this this most recent Copa America was obviously 16 teams where you had the 10 South American teams and the six teams from CONCACAF. Uh, it's, it remains to be seen what the breakdown is going to be for the next Copa America, but it's pretty clear if if CONMEBOL expands to 16 teams, it's more than likely you're going to see a handful of those spots go to teams in CONCACAF, and you kind of have to have the U.S. in it, right? I mean, you don't have to, but it just seems like a no-brainer. I know in the past there were questions about it and, and you know, fitting it into an already congested schedule for the U.S., which is what happened in, you know, in, in 2007 when, when the U.S. NAC team took Copa America and Commonwealth was not happy about that. And the U.S. weren't invited back. They weren't until this the, the centenario. Um, but you know, when you look at the way things have changed and, and evolved, and, and the relationships between Commonwealth and Concacaf now, uh, I think the door is open there to have this competition and ha- to, to have the Concacaf teams be a regular part of this competition. Um, I would love to see the U.S. competing in the Copa America on South American soil against those top level teams. I mean, I think it's a great test, it's a great opportunity, uh, and when you think about the experience that it could give those, uh, you know, the American players that take part in that. Ahead of the 2022 World Cup, 2026, these are the kind of competitions you want to be a part of. And no offense to the Gold Cup, but if it comes down to choosing between competing in a Copa America and competing in a Gold Cup, you you, you want to try to compete in this Copa America. I mean, the 16-team Copa America on South American soil, I mean, that's what's really going to get you ready for the World Cup. Not not so much Gold Cup. Gold Cup competitions that take place every two years, which I think is is a little overdone as it is. As much as I love all the Gold Cups I've covered, every two years is a bit much. You don't need to have it every two years, but I think that I think times are changing on that front, and I think we're seeing the evolution of the international schedule and calendar. And there's obviously obviously conversations going on about super leagues and 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 having it be where teams from Concacaf and Comnebol only play each other and all this and that, but. There's a lot of talk about things that can change, but for me, I think you could do away with the every two years Gold Cup. That that would be near the top of my list if I was going to make some changes. Moving on to MLS and uh, the latest news out of Boston, the Boston area is that the New England Revolution, uh, their bid for a stadium, or at least their latest attempt to try to secure a stadium in the in the Boston area has fallen apart. A potential deal with the University of Massachusetts won't be happening, and once again. New England, the New England Revolution are left looking for a new home. And uh, people need to understand what a big deal this is and what a game changer it would be to have the Revolution have their own uh, their own stadium in Boston proper. And it's something that the, the league needs. It's something the Revolution needs. Anyone who's ever been to Gillette Stadium understands that it's just not, it's not an ideal place uh, for an MLS team to be. It's a big, cavernous building. It's one thing to have an NFL team play there. You're going to get 70000 to fill that place once a week. But when you're talking about a soccer team that's really trying to uh, ingrain itself and in, in trying to actually capture the imagination of fans in the in the New England area, uh, that's not the place you want to be. And um, until they get that stadium in the Boston area, if and when it ever happens, that's when you're going to see the, the, the revolution take a step that they've been unable to take and that they will continue to be unable to take a step forward as an organization and, 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 and you're kind of got your hands tied behind your back uh, as the New England revolution. And, and we all know about the talks about, you know, the, how committed their owners are, the fact that, you know, they, they're perceived to do things on the cheap. 
Uh, they're not a team that has really spent a ton of money through the years. Uh, but it seems like they're really trying to make an effort. They try, they're, and there, there seems to be some doubt about that. Some people out there who feel like this is all just lip service. There's really no real push by Robert Robert Kraft to build a stadium for the Revolution. I mean, he's he's Robert Kraft is a businessman, right? By all accounts, he's a pretty good businessman. I can't imagine he would honestly still even own the Revolution if he didn't understand the importance of securing a stadium. And if he weren't working toward trying to address that issue. So for me, I'll give him the benefit of that on that. As someone who followed the the dec- more than a decade-long saga, two decades-long saga that became uh, the MetroStar slash Red Bull search for a stadium, I can fully understand how tough it is to get a stadium built in, in a big city, in a big metropolitan city metropolitan area it's just not easy and 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 obviously new york city fc has figured that figured that out found that out the people of st louis have found that out now with the recent rejection of their attempts at a at a stadium uh mls stadium project so uh for new england it's a tough blow uh we'll see where they go to next i've seen some people say that you know what maybe it's a blessing in disguise that wasn't the greatest location anyway i mean i guess that's one way to look at it little silver linings approach to it but uh fact of the matter is the revs need a stadium and you know if there's a bright side it's the fact that at least dc united is having their their long saga come to an end next season with their stadium the dc united stadium project which had been gone you know they've they'd gone on for so many years stops and starts and so many other failed locations and, and now they're set to go for next year and that's great to see and i can't wait to be sitting in a stadium in the Washington DC area and watching an MLS match in a, in a new stadium after years of RFK and, and, and just the, the hell hole that is RFK stadium. And it's funny, I'll tell you guys, this is the story. When I, when I first started covering the Metro stars back in 1999, my first road trip was to DC to cover a Metro stars, DC United match. And I still remember to this day, I actually went on the team bus the day before the game and went with them to training and I remember walking into the stadium, RFK Stadium, for the first time. Now, I'm a lifelong Washington Redskins fan. Uh, and I, for those of you who didn't know that, yes, I'm a Redskins fan. Fell in love with John Riggins when I was like six, seven years old. And that was that. And I've been a Redskins fan ever since. So going to RFK was kind of a big deal for me. When I remember walking in there and I kind of did the fake kissing the ground thing. That this is 1999. Uh, I mean, that's 18 years ago now. It was already a dump then. But I mean, at least then it was like, oh man, this is this is where it all happened. This is where the where Riggins played and the Hogs and Daryl Green and all that good stuff. For those of you who even know anything about NFL or follow NFL, it was kind of a big deal for me. But now, uh, it's been a good fifteen years since that since that I still had that nostalgic feeling for the place. It's time for a new home, and it's great that the uh, DC United is getting that new home. And New England is in is kind of the team that's still left the 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 MLS 1.0 team that's still stuck in an old building, and they need a new building. And until they have that new stadium, that soccer stadium, that perfectly sized stadium, closer to the city of Boston, because again, if you don't know anything about the Revolution, about where they play, about wh- how far away it is from actual Boston, it's far, folks. It's far. It's not even close. It's like, what, a 40-minute drive, half an hour? Whatever it is, it's just not even – it's not Boston. They don't play in Boston. They need to be in Boston to be relevant uh, and really to tap into what I – I mean, my I, as far as I know, 
Boston has some pretty passionate soccer fans, the city of Boston, and there is that disconnect that they've never adopted the revolution because they're so far away. So hopefully they can sort that out because that, if that ever happens, I, it, it, I think it'll be huge. It'll be huge for the league, and obviously it'll be huge for the revolution. Next up, speaking of teams that we're never going to know what's going on with their stadium projects, the MLS Miami expansion bid continues to drag on, and uh, David Beckham uh, made some comments recently that recently that things are still moving along. I mean, I don't know how much how 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 long can things move with, with uh, like like it's like a it, my, my analogy is like it's like the sloth the sloth from Zootopia. That's David Beckham. Uh, he's moving, things are moving that slowly for that project. But the the latest news on that is that apparently they added a new investor. And does what does that really mean? I don't know if it means all that much. I mean, it sounds like you know, yes, they they're gonna have a little more financial muscle. Will that mean they make a deal happen sooner? Will it actually come to a fruition? It needs to happen because right now they're holding up the line. MLS has been waiting for I don't know how long for them to to, to get this stadium done so they can have the team in Miami. And and we've been waiting for how many years now? It's unbelievable. Uh, you, you need to, as they said, the old saying, you need to crap or get off the pot. And, and there's other cities that are ready to step in there. So I think MLS needs to, they need to come, they need to make a decision soon. And it, this it's already it's beyond absurd at this point how long they've waited for Beckham to to get get this whole thing sorted out. But we'll see. They keep on waiting. Some better news. Some better news on the MLS stadium spending front. Portland Timbers apparently going to are are working to to have a fifty million dollar expansion of Providence Park, which will add seating to the Timbers' home stadium, and that's huge. Obviously, if you live in Portland, if you're and you're a Timbers supporter, and you don't already get tickets to the game, and you can't because they're sold out, you can't get a season ticket. Now there are going to be more opportunities. There are going to be more seats. Uh, the the if you've seen the renderings, I mean, it looks beautiful. Credit to Mayor Paulson. The ambition and, and the and the commitment that that organization is showing in funding this uh, this expansion is huge. Uh, it's a, I mean, for my money, the uh, the Providence the environment at Providence Park is already the best environment in the league already. And you know, no offense to anybody, and I know. Look, I haven't been to Atlanta, I haven't been to Minnesota. I, they you know they're just gotten into the league, but I've been around, and for me, Providence Park's already the best environment. Now, when you talk about a, a an overhang that can hold the sound even better, uh, and addition that many more was it four thousand more su- supporters in there? I mean, that's going to be something special. So uh, it's great to see, and it's great to see ownership committed to investing in a team in their team. That's just great to see. Anytime you can see that. Uh, speaking of money, <laughs> the MLS salaries have come out, and once again, the Players Union, in what's become the annual bitch fest, as people complain about salaries, whether it's people being underpaid, being people being overpaid, uh, people complaining about the fact that these numbers aren't 100% accurate, like me, who are fully aware that not all these numbers are accurate, and um, it's it's nice, to, they're nice to look at and kind of give you some sense of where people stand, but there's just... There's a lot of gray area on these, so you almost you kind of have to take them a little with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, but hey, once again, Kaká, that top paid player in the league. I think I feel like I might have mentioned this the last episode. So if I already discussed this this in the last episode, my apologies. But uh, I did touch on that in uh, in a recent piece on Goal.com why Kaká is the highest paid player in the league and why he has been for how many for you know three years now since he's been in the league. 
Um, but I, I I feel like I said it before. Now, apologies if I already repeated this, but I think the real big positive takeaway from the salaries list is the fact that on the higher end, you're seeing MLS teams focusing more on younger talent, younger high-end talent. And I thought it was interesting that of the top 20 highest-paid players in the league, only six were younger than 30 last year. This year, 11 are younger than 30. Now, I know like three or four of them are 29, but hey, still, it's getting younger, and it's good to see. So, yeah, it, it, apologies if I repeated myself, but if, in case you missed, if you didn't listen to the last episode, uh, I still stick to that point. That's still great to see, great news to see. Um, next up, in terms of spending, how about the LA Galaxy allegedly, reportedly moving on from Zlatan Ibrahimovic and now focusing their attention to Andre-Pierre Gignac of Tigres, the French forward who made that big, big move, that kind of surprising move from the from Fran- uh, coming over from France and and going and playing in Liga Mekis when obviously he was a really highly coveted uh, striker in Europe and there were definitely plenty of teams that were interested in signing him and he came over to Mexico. And he's obviously been a big, big hit for Tigres. But now, apparently, according to a report out of England, of all places, uh, Gignac is apparently a target of the LA Galaxy. Is this true? I mean, with when it comes to the Daily Mail, it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they have the best track record when it comes to this stuff. So you, you kind of almost have to take it with a grain of salt. But it is interesting, the idea that the Galaxy have given up on Zlatan. Um I'm a little surprised if that, but by that. I would be a little surprised by that. It's a little early in the whole thing for them to, to kind of move on. Although I guess if it basically here's what it, here's what, it, what will probably come down to for me in my like estimation is if you're the Galaxy and you want to make a big splash before the LAFC comes to town, you need to make a big signing this summer. You can't wait. And basically now with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he will not be available until January at the earliest, probably as he recovers. So. Uh, that's not helping you really if you're the Galaxy. You need someone who can plant their plant some roots in the summer now, make an impact, get people excited, get people going now, and then and then have that carry over into the next year. Because if you're the Galaxy, you absolutely need absolutely need to win this year. You can't have a down year. The Galaxy are having a down year already. Heard an awful not having a good time as head coach of the LA Galaxy. So I can understand from that 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 standpoint the logic behind why the galaxy would be wanting a big target this summer but but is it but is geniac that player i don't think so i don't i don't really see that being a fit because when it comes down to it it's not always just about the soccer it's also about marketing uh and look geniac speaks spanish so he he could give you some crossover appeal but you know i think for me the the target should still be chicharito if you're the galaxy or if you're lafc you want to win the battle for Chicharito. You need to go get Chicharito. Unless it, unless it's already come down from on high that he is not coming to MLS, you have to still keep trying to go out, go after him. Because if you're the Galaxy, you can't afford to lose Chicharito to LAFC. You just cannot. Because if he, if he signs with LAFC, then you're lost. Because <laughs> that's a huge pickup, not only from a playing standpoint, but from a marketing standpoint. So it would be interesting if it's true. If the Galaxy really are after G- Andre Pierre, Pierre Gignac, Gignac is a great player. Don't get me wrong, but if I'm the Galaxy, I'm trying. I'm I'm doing everything I can to sign Chicharito, um, and I wouldn't be already focusing on Gignac because once you sign Gignac, you're not going to have Gignac and Chicharito. I don't think they're. I don't think anyone's looking to spend that level of money. I mean, maybe LAFC, but 
I think it's one or the other. And it, it, you know what? And if they get Geniac and if LAFC gets Chicharito, you have to chalk that one up to, to LAFC at that point. Next up, we have to talk about MLS Week 9 and preview the upcoming schedule. Can you believe it's already Week 9? Uh, that's a quarter of the season. So we're about to hit it's a little bit more than a quarter, but we're about to hit the quarter mark, the quarter pole of the MLS season. It seems like I feel like it's flown by. I really, I really do feel like it's flown by. Um, but I think we're getting to that point now where we've gotten beyond the whole idea of, oh, it's still early in the season. Maybe this team won't be this, so they'll be that. I think if we're getting to the point now where there is enough of a sample size where you can start to say, hey, guess what? Team A looks pretty good, or Team B looks like trash, um, and you're, uh, it's not a reach. And obviously, summer window can change things. The summer window can help teams improve. You can help add pieces that you need to, to help turn things around. There, there still can be trades and all that. But right now, as we get into week nine, we have a pretty good sense of where teams are and where they're going to be. And that's good news for some teams and not good news for others. Uh, we have 11 games on the schedule this week, starting off with one of the more, what should be one of the more exciting ones, Toronto FC, Houston Dynamo. And I'm definitely looking forward to this one. The Houston Dynamo with a big win over San Jose last week. Uh, Wilma Cabrera switching to the 4-4-2, getting away from the 4-3-3. Um, now, what, did he do this looking ahead to this Toronto game as well? Because you know what? If you try to play the 4-3-3 up in Toronto uh, and with their defensive deficiencies against TFC, you were going to get torched. So I think from a pragmatic standpoint and a practical standpoint, it's a very smart move by Wilma Cabrera uh, going up against a Toronto team that is starting to really find their rhythm. Um, I was one, one big bit of positive news coming out of Toronto, apparently drew more in the heart ailment or whatever that he, he was dealing with. It sounds like, it sounds like he's doing better. It sounds like whatever issue that he had, that had been discovered, it, it either can be resolved or, or doesn't sound like it's going to become that big of an issue. So it sounds like he will be back soon. And that's, that's great to hear. Uh, obviously drew, drew more. Aside from the fact that he's an important uh, player for TFC, he's, a, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. One of the one of the real true professionals in MLS, so it's good news on that front. But even without Drew Moore, TFC is looking pretty good. Uh, and that no Drew Moore, no no Clint Irwin, but you know what? TFC with the depth that they have, I mean, they're they have as good a bench as anyone in the league, and I think we've seen that. And now that they're they're looking, they're feeling comfortable at home. Giovinco is starting to feel it, starting to find his rhythm. Uh, and I, I tell you what, I'm going to have to go TFC in this one. I think TFC is going to win this one comfortably. Uh, I'm still not sold on the Dynamo defense, right? And I know they uh, you know, they did well they, uh, against San Jose, but Toronto's a different animal. Josie Altura, with his physicality, I just don't think the Dynamo are going to be, de- be able to deal with him. And he's going to be able to impose his will, post up as that target forward, and just not be you're not going to be able to take him off his spot. No one on the Dynamo defense is going to be able to do that. And I think he's going to control the game and I think Jovinko is going to take advantage. TFC, uh, I'll give him a 3-1 victory in Toronto on Friday. Next up, we have a huge we have nine game slate on Saturday. So if you're an MLS fan, Saturday's your day to chill out and just watch as much soccer as possible. Big game in Canada, Montreal and and Vancouver, two teams that not having the best of starts to their seasons, but uh, they've shown flashes, obviously, of the impact coming off of that that dramatic 3-3 draw against the Union. They were down 3-0, and they came back, and, and they tied. They're at home against the Whitecaps. I'm going to go with the Whitecaps in this one. Even th- not, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the impact in this one, even though Freddie Montero has looked really good 
upon his arrival. And even though the Impact's defense looked pretty awful in that first half against the Union, I think they sort themselves out. And I think that Impact defense will get back to the Impact defense that we saw last year. And I think they'll they'll have a better performance here. I'm going to go the Impact 2-1 to one in that one. Next, we have Orlando City uh, looking to, to build on their, their momentum from the big big win at Yankee Stadium. And if you're Jason Christ, you're, you're feeling pretty good. But you know what? The part You celebrated that one for a day, but now you have to go back home, Orlando City, and put that perfect 4-0 record on the line, 4-0 home record on the line against the Colorado Rapids team that is looking like a shell of the team we saw last year, a shell of the team that was within a, a result away from from a supporter's shield. And uh, now, you know, I, I, as I, I feel like I said it last episode. I think they, I feel like they, they, they messed up the recipe when they traded Mark Birch and Sam Cronin. I think they got a little too smart for their own good, and and you know, obviously, they felt like they have they had some depth to trade from, and they felt like they needed to make the move to to set themselves up to be able to improve their attack, whether with a signing, whether with a trade. We haven't seen that next step yet, so it still remains to be seen what the Rapids have in the works, but it's not looking good right now because you know what? The one thing that they were able to hang their head on last year was their defense. And I really feel like it was already bad that, you know, it was already tough for them that Axel Hoiberg was injured and he was such a big part of what they did last year. But now you get rid of Sam Cronin, who I really feel like was an underrated and a huge part of their success. You get rid of him, you get rid of Mark Birch. And I don't think it's a surprise now that Birch and Cronin leave they go to Minnesota, and all of a sudden, Minnesota's defense is looking better. And I know there are other things behind Minnesota's improvement defensively, but it is interesting that Colorado makes the move, and all of a sudden, their team, not that they're giving up five goals a game or anything, but they don't look as imposing defensively as they did. Uh, the bigger issue, though, or, or equally big issue for Colorado is their attack is non-existent. Their attack just does not produce chances. And I know they're supposedly going to make moves to address that, but for right now, Pablo Mastrani's attack is not there. They, they, they don't have one. So you take a team, you take an attack that's just not shown much lately, and you have to go to Orlando against a team that is, you know, one of the stingiest defenses in the league, uh, a, a defense that, you know, I think other than Kansas City, I just, is is right, probably right there. I mean, obviously, FC Dallas is tough as well, but Orlando's probably got one of the top four, top three or four defenses in the league. And and I mean, if there's ever if there's ever a guaranteed shutout, if there's ever a match you could put money on for to to be a shutout, it would be Orlando City. And Kyle Aaron, I think, is going to run wild there. I think he's going to get another double and take over uh, take over the scoring lead in MLS. Next up, another what I think is going to be another fun match: Columbus Crew, NYCFC. At Matt Free Stadium in Columbus, and Rodney Wallace makes his return to Matt Free Stadium, the place where he scored the goal in MLS Cup for the Portland Timbers in 2015. And NYCFC obviously coming off a disappointing loss. As tough as NYCFC has been at home in the past year, I feel like they do well on the road. And I think you know having that extra room to operate at Crew Stadium. This is going to be a fun match because you're talking two teams that that like to play that possession game, that really like to build and and it, you know, there's more sophistication to their their approaches to the game and I think this is this is going to be a fun game to watch. I'm going to go NYCFC though because I think, you know, with the crew losing Arthur is huge, right? That's still that's a big blow for them. I think it's going to take them a while to deal with that. And I know they have uh, Abu 
who, who has shown some good things for them this season. But I still feel like missing Archer is still something that they're going to have to kind of adapt to. And I really want to see what happens with Kakuta Mane. Does he make an appearance? Does he dress? Does he get in uniform? Apparently, uh, there, he was quoted uh, at the beginning of the week talking about how tough it's been for him not to dress, not to travel. Uh, obviously, when we spoke to him, when I had him on the SBI show a week ago, um, at that point, you know, he still was kind of dealing with all that. But it seems like this weekend he hit rock bottom or as he tweeted and then deleted, he hit rock bottom, hashtag rock bottom. Uh, he, it's been tough for him because, look, through his career, he's pretty much been a starter. And this is a new experience for him. But as I said in the last episode, I spoke to Greg Berhalter about Kikuta Mane and what's going on with that. Like, you know, why hasn't he dressed? And he, he told me that, you know what, the you know, there's a bit of a fitness issue, but that he will he will be a part of, of what they do. Like, they, he will get his opportunity. He just has to be patient, right? So we'll see if uh, that opportunity comes against NYCFC. Uh, he's a real talented player. And as much as they have great options in their attack, I think you got to find a place for Kakuta Mane. If fitness is an issue, it, it needs to get resolved pretty quickly. So, because, I mean, the guy can make a big difference for them. Next up, the game. Red Bulls, Chicago Fire. Dax McCarty's return to Red Bull Arena. Uh, we, I feel like we talked about this one uh, ad nauseum. I, obviously, we had Dax on on the last episode of the show. This is going to be a fun game aside from that, right? This is going to be a good game, good battle. The battle in midfield, when you think, when you talk about Sasha Kleschen, Felipe, and Tyler Adams on one side. And then Bastian Feinsteiger, Dax McCarty, and Juninho on the other. I mean, that is that is quality. That's quality stuff. Uh, and that's the, that's where it's going to be decided, really, right, is the battle in the midfield. I think they're going to neutralize each other, actually. I think the two midfields are going to neutralize each other, and it's going to come down to whose wingers produce. And I think, for me, the Red Bulls are going to have the edge in that. I like what I've seen from Daniel Royer and especially from Alex Muehl who's really looking like a, uh, he's made a huge improvement from his rookie year to now. Uh, he's making more of an impact in the attack, uh, and and he's he's looking really good. So I think that's going to be a good matchup to watch, especially Alex Muehl against Brandon Vincent. I think Brandon Vincent personally, and I don't feel like I've heard anyone talk about it, I feel like Brandon Vincent is has shown improvement. It's quietly showing improvement. I know last year wasn't the, the season anyone would have hoped for out of Chicago when he was drafted. When he was when the number one pick was traded and Jack Harrison was taken, he I know there were definitely a lot of Chicago fans who kind of looked at it and were like, "Man, we traded away the chance for Jack Harrison, and now we got this guy who doesn't look like he's the real deal as a left back." He's looking better this year. He's looking he's he's settling in. He's looking better. This is going to be a good test for him because Alex Mill has been in really good form since the season began. I'm going to go New York Red Bulls in this one, and this is it is not that this is an easy pick because I think the fire are a tough team. I just am not sold on their defense. I'm just, that's where the question is for me because the Nikolic for the fire, he's done very well for them, but I think the Red Bulls defense has looked better than the fires defense. So I think the Red Bulls defense can deal with Nikolic. I don't know if the fire defense is going to be able to keep Bradley Ray Phillips off the board and Bradley Ray Phillips at Red Bull arena is a beast. And I think he's going to do it again. I think him and Royer or him and wheel wheel will score the goals. I'll go two to one Red Bulls. And uh, we'll see if we can. Uh, we'll we'll see if Dax McCarty can uh, can be the latest uh, the latest recipient of the SBI show jinx, where you come on the show, you score a goal within two weeks of coming on the show, you will score a goal. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm not holding my breath on that one, but it, it would be it would be a fitting return for him if he if 
he scores a goal and then he does the, you know, I'm not celebrating because he's not good. He's not. Listen, Dax Party's not going to celebrate. He's a classy guy. He he loves that club. He loves those fans. I mean, you you heard it in his voice. If you listen to the last show, you know what that team means to him. So if he scores, I don't think he's going to celebrate, but I'm pretty sure he wants to score because I know he wants this game. He wants to win it deep down. He he wants to win it. Let's be let's be honest. So so we'll see how what happens there. I'm gonna go Red Bulls in that one. Next up, the game of the week in terms of just the two best teams going up against each other. FC Dallas, Portland Timbers. Oscar Pareja, Caleb Porter in the in the throne in the throne tissue derby, right? No, okay, enough of that. All right, that wasn't that that wasn't that good. <laughs> but for those who don't remember, obviously the uh Oscar Pareja throwing the tissue at Caleb Porter uh because he thought he was crying to the referees too much. That will never get old. That will never not be a thing. I, th- I think that's great. But look, this is this is kind of an underrated rivalry. When these teams play, it's always a good game. It's always back and forth. It's always it's always exciting. And so these teams, it's like both these teams want to knock each other out, and not from a physical like you know dirty elbowing standpoint, but in a more of a we want to score on you, we want to blow you out. We are better than you as an attacking all around team. Both these teams are good. And obviously, it's unfortunate Diego Valeri is going to miss this one. Uh, but Portland still has plenty of weapons. Darlington Nagby, I think you probably play him in the middle. You can play him or Sebastian Blanco in Valeri's place. You obviously have options on the wing. You, you, you have Dion Espria. You can play Darren Maddox wide as well. So Portland is going to still have the attacking weapons to make this a fight. Uh, but for me, it's tough. at In Dallas, Dallas is so tough at home. And Dallas, I just think they're a more balanced team. I think there's still more questions about that Portland defense that I that that I can't pick them to win on the road. I think they're going to make it a game. Uh, so my prediction, I'm going to go FC Dallas three to two. I think we'll see at least one Maxi Rudy goal because Maxi Rudy going up against his former team, the Timbers, it's got to be a little bit of that as well. I'm going to go FC Dallas in this one. Next up, uh, Minnesota United. All of a sudden, look at Minnesota United. They've gone now quietly. From some people calling them the worst team in the history of civilization (laughs) to a team now that, what do you know, they're a point out of a playoff spot in the Western Conference. And credit to Adrian Heath. You know, they've they've slowly but surely kind of turned things around. The trade with the Rapids I thought was huge because you you, they in one in one move, they address two pressing, pressing dire needs in one in the defensive midfield, two at left back. And that was a huge move for them. And so I think that was obviously a huge step. But uh, I also think, look, Christian Ramirez, he's he's shown now. I think we've seen enough now that he is the real deal. Christian Ramirez is legit. He's He wasn't the product of lower division, you know, playing against lower caliber players. He is this good, and he can do it on this level. And I think that's great to see. Now, to be fair. The schedule is worked out in Minnesota's favor, and I'm not. And, and don't don't go, don't kill me now, Minnesota fans. However, man, the two or three of you that are listening to me, because I'm sure you probably listen to your your Minnesota podcasts instead of the SBI show. But if you look at the schedule, right? I mean, they they're two one and one in their last four. This is when the turn turnarounds kind of begun. They beat Real Salt Lake, a Real Salt Lake team that was missing. Like they were like down to their like a string defense, right? So that you know, they, but still, a win is a win. Then you lose to Dallas, which you expect. Then you tie Houston. That's the most impressive result. I'll give them that. But, again, they were going up against a Houston team that couldn't hold the lead against anybody. And, and they finally figured it out now. They, they've switched to a 4-4-2. But that's the impressive result for me 
Then they beat Colorado 1-0 at home. Uh, Colorado is a mess. Colorado is not good. Um, and I'm not saying this to, to kind of crap on Minnesota, but the point for me is we still need to see them beat a good team before we really start to talk about them being like legit, right? In terms of playoff potential, whatever, and all that kind of thing. I think we've gotten to the point where we can say, okay, maybe it was overblown, the idea that they were the worst team ever or the worst team in MLS history and all that. We've gotten beyond that, right? Because I think we can all at this point kind of agree that they're not that bad. And I've seen these teams. I've seen the worst teams ever. I've been covering the league for a long time. I have seen the worst teams play. I have covered some of the worst teams all year. The 1999 Metro Stars didn't win for like four months. I covered that team every day, every game. That was a nightmare. It was a great, it was a great experience in terms of learning how to cover that. A little baptism by fire, my first year on the beat, 1999. But that that year, the 2009 Red Bulls, who were atrocious. So I've seen bad, bad, bad teams. This Minnesota team is not that bad, right? They're not Chivas USA bad. They're not RSL year one bad. But our, but you know, pump the brakes on. Okay, we're you know playoffs and all that. That's a little getting a little ahead of yourselves. Now this game, this San Jose game, this is a good one for them because I th- you know what San Jose is not. They're in a bit of a funk right now, right? They obviously had the two game swing last week on the road. It's never easy. They did get the draw in New England, but then they had to go to Houston. Yeah, you kind of you you knew they were going to lose that game. Um, now they have this one, uh, San Jose. They're a tough one for me because. There's certain there's some things I like about the San Jose team, but I just don't think they're ever going to be consistent. I just don't, I, I just don't think with the, I, with the pieces that they have, I don't think they're going to be consistent. And it, which basically means they're going to lose uh, just as many as they win, if not more. And they're not going to be a serious contender. They're not. They're as currently constituted. I don't see this team making the playoffs. Um, and this so this is a big game for both these teams. But I think I like Minnesota in this one. I, I like what. I like how they've looked at home. I like the confidence that they show at home. And I really like Christian Ramirez. Christian Ramirez is the real deal. And I think him against the San Jose defense, the San Jose center backs, I like his chances to get one. Matchup I'm really liking in this one. If Molino plays on the left, Kevin Molino against Nick Lima is going to be worth the price of admission. Because Nick Lima, for me right now, is the front runner for rookie of the year. As we ground the quarter pole, it's still early, but he's looking like the rookie of the year. And Kevin Molino is a handful as an assignment, so I'd love to see that. I hope you see that matchup. I, I mean, and if we don't see it, I mean, I would take Miguel Ibarra against Kev, against Nick Lima. I wouldn't mind that one. Ibarra coming off of a good showing against Colorado. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Minnesota. I'm picking Minnesota to win 2-1. to one. Long-winded uh, path to get to that prediction, but I'm going Minnesota 2-1. to one. Next, we have Sporting Kansas City, Real Salt Lake. I'll make this one easy for you. Sporting Kansas City, I'm going with them. RSL still dealing with a ton of injuries. Now Nick Romando's out. I know Matt Van Oakle is, you know, Mike Pecky says he, he believes in him and he's good and it's not, but he's not Nick Romando. And I know Nick Romando hasn't been Nick Romando this year either with the with the uncharacteristic mistakes that he's made here and there. I'm not ready to, to say Nick Romando's washed up. I feel like some people are, are overreacting a bit, panicking uh, because of a couple of mistakes. But having said all that, Nick Romano's still a notch above Van Ockel. That's not why I'm picking. Uh, that's not why I'm picking Sporting Kansas City. Kansas City is just better right now. So I'm going to go Kansas City, rebounding from the loss to FC Dallas. They're going to go 2-0. Dom Dwyer, I think, has himself a couple of goals. 
Next, we have Seattle Sounders coming off of their smacking of the LA Galaxy. They're at home. They're facing the New England Revolution. We know about teams traveling cross-country, how it's never easy. I'm going to go Sounders in this one. They continue to roll. Clint Dempsey's playing great. He is he is he is finding his rhythm. Jordan Morris is finding his rhythm. I do like Brian Schmetzer's move to play Morris, put Morris back on the wing, put Will Bruin up top. I, look, I've always been a, a, a fan of Will Bruin and think he's underrated. I know folks in Houston will say, oh, he isn't a good finisher, this or that. I'll tell you what, I said it last episode, I think. Bruin hasn't been on a team with this kind of attacking uh, weaponry around him. And I think he can make the most of it. And I think he can be a guy who gives you a lot of minutes and gives you goals if you give him service. And this attack will absolutely give him service. So I'll go Seattle in this one, three to one, two games to go. We have the, what I called in my goal.com preview of MLS week nine, the desperation Derby, or you can call it the struggle, (laughs) the struggle classico (laughs) between the LA galaxy and the Philadelphia union. Both teams desperately need a win. Uh, the two coaches who may be on the hottest of hot seats right now, uh, LA Galaxy, five losses. I mean, I'm looking around. Who has five losses? Only one team in MLS has five losses, and guess who it is? Yes, it's the LA Galaxy. Uh, and not to be outdone, the Union have their own special designation. They're the only team in the league that hasn't won a match. And so right now, Jim Curtin is is under fire. Uh, Curtin Offo is clearly under fire and you know hopefully one of these teams win because if it's a draw that's even I think that's worse because now both those coaches are still I think a win is gonna give some if the union win then Jim Curtin's gonna be feeling pretty good and, and I think that'll buy him some more time and if the Galaxy lose this game I mean you could be seeing a new Galaxy coach by you know this time next week so it's that serious, folks. It's that serious. There's a lot of money invested in this Galaxy team. LAFC is around the corner. They're on the way. They're going to be here in months. And you're the LA Galaxy. You cannot afford a bad season. This is the worst possible season to have a bad season. Obviously, they never planned for Bruce Arena to leave and go coach the national team. I know they weren't planning for that, but it happened. They had to make a decision, and they hired Kurt Anolfo. And right now, that's not looking like the best decision. Not to put it all on him, because I think personally some of these personnel moves I had some real questions about, and Peter Vajenas, for my money, should be should be facing just as much scrutiny as Curtin Alfo. So all those guys are under pressure at, in the LA Galaxy front office. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I I'm picking a Galaxy. They have way too much talent to to I in my opinion lose to a Union team that's traveling all the way across the country. If they can't beat the Union, I think you're going to see a coaching change. That, that, I would put my money on that, but I think the Galaxy are going to win. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. But I'll go Galaxy. I think Gio DeSantos has himself a game. And the Galaxy get you know get themselves a little momentum. And, and is a loss going to cost Jim Curtin his job? I don't know. I, I'm Personally, I, I am under the impression that, that Jim Curtin has has the support of union ownership. And he has the, they have, he has their backing. Uh, and it, And they're not at that point yet. The Union aren't the Galaxy. The Union don't have the history of the Galaxy. They don't spend the money that the Galaxy spends. So it's not quite the same type of pressure that Curtin's facing, that Anolfo's facing. So if they lose, I don't think it means the I don't think it means Curtin gets fired, but they better come to play. They better make it a game. They better keep it close. They better look like a team that's actually close. Because I feel like they've been close in some of these games. They should have won against the Impact. They had they they could have won against the Impact. They could have beaten New York. They could have NYCFC. They could have easily tied to NYCFC. They could have beaten Toronto 
Some might say they probably should have been in Toronto. So when you look at that from that standpoint, they're not that far away. They haven't been that far away. So I think that is why I don't see Curtin being under the same pressure as Anolfo because the Galaxy have just been outright, just outplayed in some games. They were embarrassed last week by Seattle. That's the kind of those are the kind of games that upper, upper, upper management. Just do they, you can't have those games because those guys, the, the the guys in the ivory tower looking down with the big cigar and the dark sunglasses sitting on the pile of money, they aren't they don't like those. And that's why for me, if the, if the Galaxy lose this one, I think you're going to see a new coach in LA. Last but certainly not least, we have the Battle of the Uniteds or a couple of I don't know what are they, 10 Uniteds in MLS now? Anyway, Atlanta United, DC United in Atlanta. I think I said it last episode or last week. I, I think I'm going to pick Atlanta against most teams because Atlanta, they're a balanced team. Their attack is so dangerous. Their defense is solid. I mean, they're they're the, they're they're right there. They're one of the best teams in the league. And when they're at home, they're going to be even tougher to beat. I think DC is still a team that's kind of struggling, and you know they they'll be in in for the fight. But I just think Atlanta has too much. I'm going to go Atlanta three to one in this one. And Atlanta United, man, they're they're looking good. And uh, my man Doug McIntyre wrote a great great in depth piece about the about Atlanta United. You're going to want to check out over on ESPN FC. And uh, you know that that they're they've done a lot of good things in Atlanta. They've gotten a lot of things right. And they've definitely kind of created a bl- blueprint that teams after them are going to uh, have to think about trying to follow. And I'm sure LAFC is looking at it and, you know, they they have the resources to do the things that Atlanta has done. So we'll see. But that's they're a fun team to watch, folks. Atlanta United. Very, very, very exciting team to watch. But that's it. That's week nine. I think we've covered all the matches. There's plenty. There's plenty of good action. Plenty of good matches. Um and I will be I will be at the Red Bulls fire match uh, this week. Uh, and I'm actually in a couple of weeks. I will be in Orlando in two weeks. I just booked my flight. Give you guys the heads up. I will be in Orlando in two weeks uh, working on a few stories while I'm out there. But I will be at the Orlando Sporting Kansas City match in two weeks. Uh, spend some time out there. I'll be in Florida for that week. So I'll be roaming around Florida. It's, apparently it's already 80s and 90s in Florida. It's actually 80 degrees right now. It's like 80 degrees and sunny in New Jersey. It's uh, it's you know, I gotta. It's time to get the air conditioners in the windows. It's uh, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I'm not. I'm not ready for the heat yet. I gotta. I think I'm gonna have to go uh, dig out the spring clothes. But uh, but yeah, it's good. It's good to see. I mean, we're getting there. May's almost here. So, um, but that's it. That's enough. I think we've rambled on. I think I've rambled on. As you can tell, no guest this this episode. But I think I mentioned it before. The goal will be to try to have at least one guest every week. So if we do two episodes a week, you'll have a guest one episode, probably not a guest the next episode. Uh, I will start. Uh, I will try to start bringing, bringing on some writers. I do want to bring on some of my guys from SBISoccer.com uh, to come on so you can get to know them a little bit and, and, and hear them talk about the game. And we have, we have a good group of guys there. And for those of you listening, if you're an aspiring writer and you want to and you're looking for a place to write, SBI is your place. Let me know. Reach out. We're always looking for people. We've we've added a bunch of, of new writers recently and uh, getting ready for what should be a, an exciting and a busy summer. But again, we're always looking. So if you're uh, if you're an aspiring writer and you've and you, you have to have some kind of credentials. If you're you know whether you've written in college or you've already written for other websites, uh, hit me up. You can email me at sbi actually at soccerbibus at gmail You can hit me up if uh, if you're interested. 
But uh, but yeah, so we'll try to bring some of those guys on, mix it up a little bit. Go get you know, have to get my man Paul Tenorio on as well. It's been a while since we've gotten him on. Uh, it'd be great to hear from him again uh, in the future. And of course, we're gonna keep bringing you guests from whether it's MLS, Americans Abroad. Um, but yeah, we've had some good guests on. And and I tell you what, if Dax McCarthy scores. Against the Red Bulls, I think I think that's going <laughs> to add even more momentum to helping us get more guests because I think at that point people are going to start to realize, yeah, I need a goal. I need to start scoring goals. I'm going to come on the SBI show. That's ultimately what it is, right? We want that. We want to have that people to believe that that's what they need. They need to come on our show, and then they will score goals. That's, that's ultimately what we want. But that's it. That's all for now. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for definitely checking all uh, checking out throughout the show. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, make sure you listen to the interview with Dax McCarty. I thought it was a very good interview. I thought I, I thought he had a lot of good things to say. I'm not going to say it was a good interview because I did the interview, but I actually thought Dax was very forthright and and very honest and, and on what is not a, clearly not an easy subject. So definitely go back and listen if you haven't. But, yeah, once again, thanks for listening to the show. Definitely, if you can, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, for those of you who have given us reviews, thank you so much. Uh, I definitely love seeing the feedback uh, from the, the handful of you who have put in new reviews. Great to see. That definitely helps us and definitely keeps it keeps me going. Um, but that's it for now. Uh, I'm Ives Galarza. This is the SBI Show.